Welcome to the Mormon Marriages Podcast. I am Angeline Bagley. And I am Nate Bagley. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe that the most important thing in life is your family, and the backbone of your family is your marriage. So on this podcast, we talk with couples from the church who provide amazing insights into what it takes to create a marriage that will make you look forward to eternity. It would mean a lot to us if you subscribe to the show, uh, review it on iTunes, and reach out to us if you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas to make it even better. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys. Hi. Welcome back. It's been a while. It has. Here's the the deal. Life's been a little crazy. We would love to do this podcast more, but um, the editing and uh, all the stuff on the back end of doing all these interviews is a little time consuming. So if you ever wanted to be involved in the Mormon Marriages podcast, just shoot me an email, nate at mormonmarriages.com. And uh, if you want to help us get these episodes published, maybe we can find a way to collaborate. Right, because as of right now, it's just us two. And now that we have a baby and I'm working as a nurse during a pandemic and Nate has his full-time gig. It's a lot. It's just a lot. But we love this podcast so much, we really don't want to give it up. So... If you want to be a part of it. Especially if you have editing experience. Editing experience would be fabulous. Anyways, today we have our good friends on the podcast with us. We've got Heather and Corey. And um, we're talking about a topic that is near and dear to our hearts. Mm -hmm. Camp. Camp. Yep. We're, We're talking about the youth leadership camp that Nate and I both volunteer for. Um, Nate volunteered two years ago, and I was supposed to volunteer this year, but because of the coronavirus, it got... Corona got got to the camp. It got canceled, but it's on for next year, so we're talking about it here, and we're talking about what it has to do with um, marriage. So, let's go ahead and dive right in. Yeah. Hi. Hi, everyone. Heather and Corey, how are you guys doing? We're great. How are you? Fantastic. It's been a while since we had the opportunity to interview a couple. We're so excited. I was going to look back and see, try and remember. It's been months. It's been a long time. We've had lots of episodes with um, like experts and people, but it's been a long time since we've had a couple. So glad you're here. So we know Heather and Corey. Well, we will get to how we know Heather and Corey, um, but... It's part of the interview, but we're, we, we all kind of share a common interest and, um, we'll get to that in a moment. But first I want to start off by just talking to you guys about how you met and fell in love. Can you guys tell us a little bit about that story? Who gets to tell it? Oh, it's me. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> I think my version is shorter. And more accurate. Let's probably. just see what Corey says. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you will fact check fact check with you later. Yeah. I'm sure she'll she'll interrupt where it's necessary. So um, we we actually met in high school. Um, a mutual friend uh, told me that uh, Heather would say yes if I asked her on a date, and she she ended up being the I think the the only person that I asked on a date other than a dance um, in all three years of high school. Wow. Um, and, and we went out a few times and um, it was fun. We we got along great and then... I Wait, was kind of smitten with him. You were smitten? I was, yes. He was this cute little artist boy with curly, dark, long hair that always wore an artist hat. And did he have a puka? Sh- did he have a puka shell necklace and cargo shorts? Yes. As a matter of fact, it. you know the type from the nineties. Um, so I I graduated. I was a year ahead of her in high school, and um, I disappeared from her life for uh, seven or eight years. Um, wow. This is the short. Yeah. Let's not skip the part where I thought he was a weirdo for seven years. <laughs> so that's but, a long time. Yes. So after he after he graduated, he would he stopped writing to me. We actually wrote letters to each other, even okay. though he lived in the same county as me. 
There's a lot of parts that were skipping yeah. that are really so, cute. But yeah. it's just, we wrote it's letters to each other. He just stopped. And I was like, I remember crying because he, he was gone. And I was so brokenhearted. And so then I didn't see him for a while. And then we had a class together at Weber State. I had it with him and his girlfriend of who has been his girlfriend for many years. So, okay, it gets better. So <laughs> Courtney's like, why then, <laughs> um, We're on a Mormon marriages podcast, are we not? We are. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we um, can go there. Okay, so um, we both went away from the church in our own ways, just <clears throat> more not living the gospel than not believing it so we just we weren't living the gospel either of us and we both went away from the church and we were coming back and at that time in our lives um i was at i had been engaged and he had had a girlfriend for many many years and we were just coming back to church and we were just like in this different new place better place and then he was we were at a student ward, and he wasn't in my ward, but his ward, he stayed late, and I came early for some reason, and I ran into him. It was my senior year. At, I was finishing a photography degree, so I was doing my senior exhibition, and I invited him to come to that, and he came, and he wrote something really cute in my book, and it was just really fun to see him, and it was just like we saw each other for the, uh, again, like for real. It was like Heavenly Father didn't want us to see each other for seven years. We weren't ready. We had a, we had a lot a lot to do and a lot to learn and get out of our system before we were ready for each other. I I I really believe that we would not have come together um, if we didn't lead the lives the lives that we did during that time that we didn't know each other because you know that there's 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 no way to define all those things that happen to you and change you and make you who you are. But we, we definitely uh, were different people when we, when we met again. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird to think what it would have been like if you would have gotten together the first time? Yeah. Like, yeah, we would have been so immature. Like, I'm not sure it would have worked out really. Yeah. And, and it's not even just a matter of, of maturity level, but it it's, it's the idea that, we've both lived our own lives for a little while. I mean, it was only seven years or whatever, but we have stories to tell each other that we still haven't heard. You know, it's not like we were high school sweethearts and then we just stayed together forever and all of our stories are shared. We still have Mm -hmm. individual stories that we can, we can tell each other. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really valuable. So what happened after the art show? So that was in your exhibition. September. Let's not put time frames on things. It's <laughs> important. It, it, this you have to understand that we were people that the idea of getting married was pretty pretty far pretty far out and, yeah. from mm-hmm. our minds, and um, we also you know we both thought that like if we did ever get married, it would be someone that we had been with for two or three years and. So this time frame when from when we met again to when we got engaged is it's it's like a 3 month time frame which for us was insane super fast but there there were a lot of really strange things that, say it. that happened during that time yeah i mean it's okay so <laughs> art show he came and then he i went he was working at a floral shop on 25th street in ogden and um, I went and he said, can I draw you? And so I started going to his house and he would just, he was sketching me. And I had, it had been a goal of It was a portrait. Mine. Yeah, nothing. We're not talking. Good time. clarification. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My mind went there. I, I know. I know. That's why. <laughs> we did those things later on. Right. Later. So, um. You want to draw me like one of your French girls? <laughs> I had always wanted to join the Peace Corps, and because I was graduating from college, I had applied and I had gotten an um, invitation to serve in Honduras. 
I didn't tell him that because I didn't think it was like relevant at this point. So he's drawing me over the course of weeks, I would say. And then he finished and, and then he, I, he said, well, I just want to keep hanging out. And I thought the same thing. So we just kept hanging out. We never like went on a formal date and, um, Christmas time came and I told him then about then that I was leaving to go to Honduras, like after the new year. And he was like shocked and hurt. And I was like, it didn't I, seem I was, congruent. I was, I was pissed at this time because yeah. I mm-hmm. I, mean, like, I had given up on dating and anything. Like I, I, I just, I had come to the point where I decided that I was just going to be alone. Nobody would get it. Uh, nobody would understand my, my idiosyncrasies or whatever you want to call them, my, my neuroses. And it, would, it was just too hard to connect with Your somebody. charming quirks. Yeah, well, yeah, medical quirks. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, it, I had just decided that it was just too hard to connect with somebody. And I had written that off from my, from my life. And then here's Heather, and we connect so strongly. And then she's like, by the way, I'm splitting for I'm a few years. I'm leaving the country, you know, like. Oh, okay, and and so I was, I was, I was really mad, and I, I, I was mad at, at the universe for like just yeah. me this career. I was like, come on, and I didn't think Enough our relationship already. had progressed to the point where he should be mad. Like, you know, it's a little bit it's weird to me, but that was before Christmas that she told me, and she was scheduled to leave on um, the first of February. Oh, because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Or maybe it was, yeah, anyway. some, something. She was scheduled to leave really soon. And, and then we, um, I, I was trying to figure out what, what to do about it. And I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like she shouldn't go, but I did feel like we were supposed to be together and I didn't mm-hmm. understand how to reconcile those two things. And so mm-hmm. I, I went, you know, and I, and I was praying a lot and, and, you know, just meditating and trying to, trying to figure this out. And, uh, you know, I just kept feeling like those two things were supposed to coexist. We were supposed to be together and she was supposed to go to Honduras. So whatever that means. And so I went, you know, my, my dad, um, had a jewelry store. Um, he's been a jeweler my whole life and, and I grew up in the jewelry business. And so I went to the store, um, that, uh, that week or that weekend or some weekend. And, um, I made her an engagement ring and I got a diamond from my mom's ring and and I, I made the ring and it was like the worst experience of my entire life because, <laughs> The whole time I was just like, what am I doing? I don't understand this. And I was, I was just kind of a puppet, you know, I was like, whatever, I guess I'm making a ring. I don't, I don't understand what's happening here, what I'm going to do with it. So I'll tell this part. So, um, he asked me on a date and we go, it was January, it was freezing. He said, let's go to Antelope Island. So we drove out there in the car and ate cheese and mustard sandwiches. And then he said, he turned to me and said, here's a ring I made for you. Just wear it around your neck. But will you marry me? Well, what he I, meant, what well, he meant I, to I, say was, I, I asked her to marry me. I said, will you, will you marry me? And, you know, and I gave, uh, first I gave her a chain. Like a neck chain. You know, I, my intention was to just give her the ring and say, you know, take this and wear it and, you know, put it on your finger when the answer is yes. You know, because I, I knew that I knew that I wanted to ask her, but I did not in my wildest dreams expect her to say yes, especially mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. point. You know, it was just kind of, yeah. yeah, this is this is the path I'm going down. I don't know how long it is or whatever, but. 
But the point is, he he said more than he intended to. And when he asked me, I literally, the, the thing that came to my mind that wanted to come out was, hell no. And the thing <laughs> that came out of my mouth actually was, of course. And so I, I was, we, we hugged and I was like, what did I just say? We, we were super oh, confused. No. Like, Wait, that didn't go right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't like the movies you're saying. No, but it was like, now we really realize like Heavenly Father was like, you guys need to be together. Just trust me on this. Uh-huh. You know, I know you don't agree to like dating someone for a month. It's okay. Just do this. So basically, we prayed about it, and I left for Honduras. We both felt I should go. This was, this proposal was a week before she was scheduled to leave yeah. the country. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. she she had you know she had no job. She sold her car. She was. Out I gave my room to my sister. We turned it into an office, like the day she left. Yeah. So I'm in Honduras with a family, and it's Valentine's Day, and Corey calls me, and he's written me these beautiful, sweet love letters. I still have them. And he's crying, and he's saying, you know, I've been doing research, and I really think that I want to do the Peace Corps. And I was like, ugh, why didn't you tell me that before I left? Because they won't place you together unless you're a married couple. And so I, we looked at our like options and I prayed about it all night. And I, I just felt like I should do it, even though it was totally against my nature to give up on this dream I had had forever. And so I had to tell the country director that I was, you know, I had to leave and they had wasted all this money to bring me there and I felt terrible quitting and but the minute it, oh and when I got home my family was mad at me because it was unlike me to do something like this and but the minute I you know after that conversation with my family where, the, where they were like what the heck are you doing everything was better like I didn't have a job I didn't have a car or anything but it was just everything worked out, and we were married on June eleventh, and but yeah. being. But I, I never, Bada I bing. never would have, would have, even looked at the Peace Corps, you know, beyond eighties comedy movies with Tom Hanks and John Candy, in Thailand. But <laughs> um, that, like, that's as far as my Peace Corps knowledge would have gone, had she not gone to Honduras. Because all of a sudden, I'm engaged to this person who's nowhere, you know, and and I don't understand what she's doing what's this what's this thing that took her away from me and so i started looking into the peace corps and the more i learned about it the more i just felt impressed that not that she should be with me but that i should be with her and and Mm -hmm. i knew that that was that that was where we needed to be and it wasn't an easy decision because i didn't have a college degree you know she had finished college you have to have a bachelor's degree to go into the peace corps so i knew it would be a long process if she came home it wasn't like come home and reapply it was like come home get and a job a get a life anyway. i'll go back to school you know get a degree and then reapply and you know it was a long it was a long process but we pulled it off in but we like did those things <laughs> yeah and i actually went to graduate school while i waited while he was getting his bachelor's and mm-hmm. that made all the difference to our service in the peace corps i really feel like the way the projects that we were able to do were so much more because I had a master's degree and because Corey was there and we were working together using our skills, you know? And so we just, I feel very proud of the things we did during that time. And, and I know that it was just part of who we are and what we were meant to do. It was part of making us. It was, it was necessary for us to become who we are now. I mean, if you want an acid test on your marriage, you know, get married, both go to school for three years, and then go to a third world country for two more years and live and work together side by side every morning. Where, where did you guys end up going? We went to Nicaragua. Hmm. Nicaragua. So, and, so, and what were your degrees in? Um, Heather's, Heather's undergraduate was in photography, and then my bachelor was in um, English, creative writing. And um, her master's degree that she got while she was waiting around for me was um, in social work. Mm. 
And what what were some of the things you experienced in Nicaragua, Nicaragua that kind of like that were truth tellers that kind of shaped who you are? That, that's a that's a yeah. whole other show, my friend. I mean, that's, yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, first of all, you 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 show up in a in a country that you know very little about, other than what you've been reading since you got your your uh, assignment. Assignment. And um, you're immediately separated from each other so that you're not speaking English to each other. So we lived in separate villages. We saw each other oh, on wow. weekends briefly um, because we, we had three months to learn Spanish before we got our permanent assignment uh, for the next two years. And so during those three months, you live with a Nicaraguan family who doesn't speak English and you have language classes from language facilitators who don't speak English. Wow. And, and so, um, first of all, the, the one thing that, that has always kind of defined my approach to our relationship came from her being in Honduras. And that was, you know, while she was gone, every, every disagreement that people had or every little, um, inconvenience in their relationships or argument over silly things just seemed so outlandishly absurd to me because mm-hmm. I, 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 I couldn't figure out what, what can you not handle together when they're, they're in the same freaking state with you. They're right. in the same right. city. They're in the <clears throat> same house. How come you can't figure this out? You know, because she was, she felt so, so far away at that point that I, you know, I, I continually promised myself never to take that proximity for granted. Mm. And, you know, I think that, that being in Nicaragua together and, you know, again, instantly being separated for three months. And then once we got our, our assignment or our, um, our site, for the next two years and we were because you stay in the same site for two years so we had a house we we, rented a house and we worked in he worked at the health our project were um community health workers for um child and sexual and maternal health Hmm. so we were basically sex ed teachers in 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 the jungle so um that was a good time yeah that sounds Um, amazing yeah, I would love really? that. I would love so, that so much. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. And, you know, you could do so much with a nursing degree. And we were just doing education. But you spoke it, to Angeline's heart when you said Honduras, because that's where she served her mission. Oh, cool. I think I know that. Yes. Yeah. I remember. But I know so little of Honduras. She was only there for three weeks. Three weeks of training. Yeah. So it was all technical yeah. training and stuff. But. Yeah, it it was the thing that was interesting about being in Nicaragua was that we we had a, we were paid a stipend that was based on on what the community what the average in the community was and it was you know it was it was a decent living wage we could pay rent we could buy rice and beans and and you know we were fine and because of that we were basically funded to just find ways to help people. So we'd get up in the morning, we'd go and, and we could work with other NGOs and we could, you know, we formed um, youth groups with kids and we had a radio show and, and we just, it, it was just so fascinating to approach each day with like, I'm, I'm funded already, I'm paid and I'm fine and I don't have to worry about that. What can I do to help these people? Mm. And then you That's just, awesome. you just are with them. You just become part of the community and you do what you can without the inconvenience of having to, to earn a wage, you know? Mm-hmm. So you were in Nicaragua for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is probably a good segue. Serving and service seems to be in your blood, just kind of at the core of who you guys are. Yeah. And so you came back and how quickly after that did you get into the Red Cross and the the leadership camp? So when I came back, all previous to this, my career had been in um, hospice. hospice care and working with geriatrics as, as a nurse's aide and then as a social worker in hospice and whatnot. And when I came back after working with youth and pregnant ladies, like, 
I just couldn't go back to that end of life. I needed to work at the beginning more. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it took us a while to find jobs. And what ended up happening was I got hired by the Red Cross um, to do their new youth program. And so I got involved with the Red Cross doing youth stuff. And it turned out to be just, I mean, if the Peace Corps was an amazing experience and changed my life, so did the Red Cross. And I so Mm -hmm. didn't expect it. Um, So I got involved with doing, I was the direct, I, I started out as the youth services director and created their youth programming there. And then I moved up to being the regional director of volunteers. So that was a bigger umbrella. And then, but all through that, I was doing this leadership development camp that a dear friend, now I can call him a dear friend, Skip mm-hmm. Morgan, um, helped to start. Not helped, but he did start. He started and so it, yeah. I worked very closely with him. He was a volunteer, and we just became best friends and just an amazing man that I still cherish very, very much. And he's taught me so much. So I started doing the leadership camp with him, and it really blew me away. And we had, you know, I had come back from the Peace Corps doing really cool stuff with youth. So when I, Skip would tell me, and they had had one camp before, and then I got hired right after that first camp. He was telling me about it, and I was like, I'm sure it's great. For a year, I said, I'm sure it's great. And then I went, and I came back crying And I told the CEO, I had no idea that it would be so Mm life-changing, which is funny because that's what everybody says about the camp. That that first year that she, that she was, uh, she was the coordinator um, with Skip. Skip was directing and she was the coordinator. Um, And the camp was held at Utah State University. So it was kind of spread around in different buildings and stuff. And she was still nursing um, Roma, our oldest, and she was she was our only kid. And I was a stay-at-home dad at the time, so I just took care of Roma and illustrated children's books while she um, uh, worked at the Red Cross, which was just down the street from us, so we could go on walks and go visit her and stuff. But um, So this first year at camp, she was still nursing, so I went to camp with her and brought uh, brought the baby. And I just took care of Roma all day, and then I could pop in and out of like general sessions and stuff. I couldn't go to the the individual um, sessions that are more more private, but um, just that that much exposure, just being on the periphery of things um, that one year. I just I you know I I hated teenagers. I hated teenagers when I was a teenager. I hated them uh-huh. for for ten years after that. Um, I just didn't see any value in them at all. And being surrounded by, you know, not, not extraordinary kids. I mean, it's not like, it's not like the selection process for the camp is, is really exclusive and we pick the best of the best, but it brings out the best of everyone to see that change, to see, to see. It's not like a whole bunch of honor roll students and no, student no. government students and no, like right. people who are super driven and high achievers. It's it's oftentimes it's a like a normal group of kids. It's just a normal group of kids. A lot a lot of times they come from like lower income backgrounds and places where they don't have a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Right, but it's also not a camp of of you know at risk youth or troubled kids right. or like that either. So it's a it, pretty it's, accurate cross section of just like random kids. Exactly. And the diversity, you know, ac- across the socioeconomic backgrounds and the the racial diversity and religious diversity and stuff. But really it was just how it 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 changed my belief that that these guys really can make a huge difference in the world and um you know a positive influence like this that can turn I, I I wish I had an experience like like this camp when I was a teenager and that was you know my my first experience with it was just absolute jealousy that these kids got to got to have this and got you know I and I thought about what would what would the difference be in in my life had I had um, this kind of, of direction to recognize my value. And so, 
can we can we just dive a little bit more into the specifics here? Because I I do think camp is amazing, and I get that your experience that first year, especially, and then in an ongoing basis, was like, oh, this is really great and transformational. But can you guys tell us a little bit more about like what the camp is about, why it exists, and what it is that makes it so amazing? Yeah. So now I'm the director. So I skip retired. The camp. is the same as it always has been. And I very much think that what Skip created is very unique. I've never seen another camp like this. And the Red Cross, it is part of the Red Cross, but it's not a curriculum that the Red Cross wrote. And there are a couple other chapters in the country that do a leadership development camp, but they're all different. They're all unique. They don't have much in common. So he created our camp to do, he had a couple of goals in mind and, and I've only added one, but I'm only naming it. It was already there. So the first goal that we have is that, um, we teach leadership through values clarification. And what that means is that we want kids to, to know who they are and be okay with that, whoever they are, whatever that means. We're not telling them who they are. We're not planting ideas. We're only getting them to say out loud what they believe in, what they think about certain things. And then we, and by doing so, it helps them gain confidence. Like, oh, okay, I'm, what you know, whatever. Okay. Can you can you share a story of maybe seeing a, a specific attendee, a specific delegate at the camp that you saw kind of like gain clarity around their values? Every single person. I mean, it's very interesting. In fact, we have not so much when we started, but it's getting more and more. We have kids who don't who don't have ever openly admitted that they're gay, mm-hmm. and when they are able to like feel safe and say that out loud. Um, it, it helps them feel so confident in saying that. And, and on the other end of the spectrum, we have kids that have been LDS their whole lives and they've just lived that. And by saying out loud to other people, like sort of declaring what they think in a safe place, they feel so proud of who they are. They understand that. I see kids, we have tons of kids that come that are um, illegal immigrants that we just, we, we always strive to have at least 30% ethnic diversity. And it just happens that we have a lot of immigrants and we have kids that become so proud of who they are and they're sharing it. And I just, it's really, really neat to see kids feel proud of who they are and no matter who they are. So, you know, um, one of the one of the most powerful things that uh, Skip has shared multiple times is is how many kids that how many youth come to that camp that have never been told I love you by anybody, mm. by their parents, by their friends, you know, and 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 by the end of this week they're not afraid. They're not afraid to say that to somebody, to their, to their guy friend, to their buddy. They're not afraid to say, I I love you. You know, they're not afraid to say it to a stranger. I love you because of who you are. And I don't care if I don't know what that is right now. And to, to see people, you know, go, go from, from, you know, getting on the bus and thinking that they're going to just kind of stick to themselves and be, um, you know, like they are in high school to see them openly loving each other and, and feeling that love from each other and being okay with that is, is extraordinary. Mm. So the second way that we teach leadership is to teach the value of diversity and why that's important to the health of a, of a group. And as a leader, you need to know how to work with people who are different than you. You need to, understand why it's important to have a diverse group, especially Mm -hmm. when you're problem solving. Like you don't want people of all the same ideas or else you won't get anywhere. You want a group of diversity. You want different points of view. And so we really point out the diversity in the group and which is why we work really hard to have a diverse 
population that comes to camp. And so that we can point that out to them as they're learning about each other and to respect each other. They're also being shown that he's really different than me. And I still really have a lot of uh, respect for him, you know, even though he's an atheist and I believe in God type of thing. So we're really pointing that out. And then the third way that we teach leadership is through empathic listening. So we really want kids to listen to who is around them and not just be forming their thoughts to say their own thing all the time, to really be with different groups of kids and, and, and listen. And then we really motivate them. The fourth way that we teach leadership is just to really motivate them to get involved. So we want them to go back and change the world in the, and we don't tell them what that way is. We just want them to be involved because they can't grow as a leader if they're sitting on their couch. Mm -hmm. So we really want them to like go and do, go and do. Participate in the community, do something. Yes. Yeah. So that's how we teach leadership. And, you know, it's a five day camp. We, we sleep overnight. We sleep in cabins. We rent a place called Camp Pinecliff that is up near Colville, Utah. And we go on Monday and come back on Friday and we take kids that are residents of Utah and they are currently in ninth, 10th or 11th grade. And the cot, because it's a not for, it's a nonprofit camp. The Red Cross runs it. We are able to keep the costs really low. Insanely low. Yeah. $250 for the whole week. And the Red Cross, that's like a third of what it actually costs, that's, right? That's with catered meals. For, yeah. You know, it's awesome. Camps I've heard things about the food. Yeah. yeah and, the food is incredible. Um, Almost as good as the curriculum. <laughs> yeah. So what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. Ninth, 10th, and 11th graders, Colville, Utah. $250 a week. Oh, yes. We never, so we want, like, skip set the bar for this. He never, ever turned away a kid who wanted to go to the camp. He paid himself. He paid for many kids to go to camp. And as time went on, we started asking, inviting staff, like we have all these kids that want to go that they can't pay. And will you pay the rest? And, and now the Red Cross is really good about, you know, we've set a thing where, if you make within a certain income guideline, no questions asked, you only pay a hundred dollars. And if you can't pay that, what can you pay? Right. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll we want kids to be able to come to this camp. Yeah. In the, fact, the point is if somebody wants to come, then they, they belong there. They need to right. be there. They'll we'll be make, there. We'll make it happen regardless. Yeah. So we don't want anyone to feel like they couldn't afford to go to the camp. That being said, we need people who actually pay too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, this is how we met is um, I, I got invited to be a staff member, la- not I guess two years ago, right? Yeah. A year, year and a half ago. Cause we're recording this in winter. And um, it, my, our, our good friend, Mike Hanks, shout out to Mike. What up buddy? Uh, he, he reached out and he's like, I've been doing this for a couple of years. I love it. It's the best. It's like the best thing, the highlight of my year every year. And I want you to come do this with me. And I talked to Ange and she's like, go for it. And so I, I, I went up and um, I was, I didn't know what to expect either. And I was blown away by my personal experience. And it became a thing where I came home and I said, Ange, you're going to want to do this. Cause she was a, a camp counselor at girls camp at, at Oakcrest. And she's told me over and over again, how much she misses being a counselor. And so like, it's really interesting to me that your family kind of mission, you're like, you have this purpose as a family, you're obviously so service oriented. You want to give back to the community. It's spread to us. And now this is something that, that we love. And I just remember I came up on Friday cause that was a day where I was allowed to come up and I just remember coming and I had no idea what had gone on the whole entire week, but I saw this incredibly diverse group of, of youth hugging each other. And like you said, Corey saying, I love you to each other. And just being so bright and vibrant, no matter who they were or what their background was, 
a group of kids sitting together at a table that was so diverse that you wouldn't normally see sitting at a table together. And I was just in awe. I just had no idea what had gone on this week that had created this vibrancy in so many youth. And I was just hooked immediately. I said, how can I be a part of this? I want to be a part of this too, because you could just feel just, just the feeling that was there was so incredible. Um, and again, like you said, Corey, I wish that I had something like this when I was youth. I mean, we have girls camp and we have scouts and we have things like that, but there's something different about this camp. Yeah, for sure. That you just can't get anywhere else. Well, it, it's interesting because I knew that Corey had to be on staff. It took us a few years to have an opening and that it was right for our family and whatnot, but he's been on, but the same thing that happened to you guys We've had so many couples on staff, five or six, where yeah. the spouse comes and they're like, oh my gosh, I have to have my spouse come and do this with me. And yeah. I love it. It's such a good example to have great couples for the kids, you know? Right. To show them what a healthy relationship looks like. Because a yes. lot of times we don't come from families with healthy relationships. Right. Totally. Right. So I want to swing this back to the kids for a moment. Because uh, can, do you mind if I share a little bit of my experience up at camp? Oh, I would love it. I was I was going to ask you to when you asked us. I was going to say, what are, why don't you tell us if you have some stories? <laughs> well, I mean, you guys have been so much more than I have. I like. I, I, think, I think specific stories are always a little bit more powerful than generalizations. And... Um, like I, I got to go up this, my first year and, and be a counselor and my group, we, they have these, like, when you're a counselor, you have a, a small group of like eight kids that you're responsible for that you hang out with and you do a lot of activities with. And my group consisted of like, it, it was very diverse, you know, like one kid was like a non-practicing Catholic and he was kind of bitter and maybe leaning more atheist. Another kid was like a super conservative LDS kid who was raised hunting and fishing with his dad. Uh, another girl is like, she, she seemed a little bit like she was trying to find herself and was kind of raised by a single mom and had a lot of questions about who she was. We had another girl who like had her mission papers all already filled out and, and was like waiting for her acceptance letter to BYU. We had one girl who's like this amazing Muslim girl who was there like finding her voice. And like there was, we had, you know, a Latino girl. There's just like a super diverse, a super group, diverse of group of people who never would have sat at the lunch table together. Mm-hmm. And here we are going through these activities and having these conversations and exploring our values together and listening to each other's stories about being bullied or about um, being misunderstood or about uh, being taken advantage of by people that love them. And this is like for a lot of them, the first time that they have been in a setting where they could share their, share their experiences, their life stories, the things that made them happy and the things that made them sad. And I'm sitting here watching this and realizing that a lot of these people don't even agree on, on things that we as adults are angry about and hate each other for every day. And, and because of the context of the camp, here we are like listening to each other's stories and listening to each other, proclaim our values and talk about who we are and loving each other, even when we don't agree. And I looked, I look, I think back on this a lot lately, especially because there's been so much contention in the world and so much tension, just like on social media and in our dialogue and on the news. And I think about camp and I think about how, how we were able to bring, you know, over a hundred kids together from all these different backgrounds and beliefs and value systems and create this beautiful community where there was nothing but like love and acceptance present. And it's in large part because of what we teach. We talk about values clarification. We talk about the importance of diversity of thought. We talk about empathetic, like learning to listen empathetically and get involved. And when we do that, what happens is we cultivate like love. And, and, and it's this wonderful thing that these kids get to take with them. And it's something that they're, oftentimes their parents and their leaders aren't even capable of doing. And I really truly believe that if we had leaders with that type of integrity and that type of empathy and compassion and that type of civility, it would change the world. And it's like, it's to me, it's like a one week miracle 
to be a part of something that special. And if we could somehow amplify what, what I got to experience at camp and experience it in our community or in our nation for like a day, I think it would change people. For sure. So, so that's why, that's why I, that's why I love you guys. That's why I love camp. Um, And that's why in large part, we wanted to have you guys on the show today is to, is to share the power of this experience. And um, something interesting happened this year, which was COVID. We couldn't have the camp. I was so devastated. And, and typically, <laughs> typically the way that the camp works is that the kids who attended the year before helped to recruit the kids for the next year. And because we couldn't do camp this year, we're having to start recruiting from scratch. And so this is a huge reason why we wanted to have you guys on the show today is for anybody listening, if you know a family that has a ninth, 10th or 11th grade student in the state of Utah, we want you to tell them about camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said a resident of the state of Utah, but that doesn't mean you have to be like a legal resident of the United States. It means you right. live, you reside, if you in live Utah. inside of Utah. Yes. Yeah. So if you know a family that um, maybe their kids are sick of EFY, <laughs> or maybe there's a family in your neighborhood that wouldn't be able to afford an experience like this, but their kids would really benefit from it. If you, if there's a family that, uh, that maybe their, their kids are like looking for scholarships for college opportunities, there's a special scholarship that only camp attendees qualify for, which yeah. is really cool that every year we get to give a scholarship away to high school students who probably in many cases wouldn't even go to college. And yes. we get to help fund that for them. We so there's three, <laughs> three of them. Yeah. So it's a really, really special opportunity. And whether they're members of the church or not, whether they're legal citizens or not, whether they, you know, it doesn't matter the circumstances, as long as they're living in, in the Utah area, we would love for you to share uh, camp with them. So I think the biggest question that I, I mean, I'll I, let me leave, hold some space for you guys first to talk. Do you want to say anything now? I'm going to shut my mouth. Um, if about, you can't tell, we're really, we really are excited about we get to sign up for the camp as well. Yeah. That's the next question. I didn't know if you wanted to add anything to what I just said before. I mean, just, just in terms of, of identifying people that would be a good fit for the camp. I mean, the, the main purpose of the camp is to make people their best selves. It makes them better at being them and, so keeping that in mind as you look around and you see people that, you know, you can't really pick and choose who who would be a good fit for camp. But you can, you know, as, as you recognize people and think, like, if you recognize somebody's value and, and you feel like they don't, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's a good person that, yes. that needs help to to see themselves properly and to recognize their, their own self-worth. And one of my favorite things, Corey, about camp is watching people who probably don't have very many friends at home come out of their shell and flourish mm-hmm. and, and accept themselves. Like I remember, do you remember, I feel like that happened. I've only been to one. I don't know if this is a regular occurrence, but the, the talent show that we have. Um, every, every year the talent show is there's, there's There's an underdog that comes out and you can tell they're nervous. They've never done anything like this before. And they're shaking and sweating. I remember this one kid, you know, he gets up on stage and he did his little routine and he had a hundred teenagers just freak out, rush the stage, give him a hug. And here's this kid who probably came to camp with a pretty low self-esteem and not thinking very much of himself. And then he became the, by the end of the week, he was the hero of camp. Yes. And, and you Every see year that happens. And that's, what's amazing. It's, it's, um, a, it's a week of miracles. Yeah. It really is. It's like, Oh, I, I hate to, but like, honestly, I want to read you some quotes of what kids say about what their expectations are. But before that, I do want to say we do have some requirements that we hold kids to. So we, we, part of why camp works is because we ask them these questions before they come, and they have to agree to these things. One is that they have to agree to push themselves outside of their comfort zone. And by that, we mean you have to be able to be silly when the time calls for it. You have to speak up when you need to. You know, you have to be respectful of others. 
but you also have to sit by new people every chance you get. And we make sure that we never put kids together who know each other. So even if you do know someone who comes to camp, we make sure you don't hang out with that person. We're on you like stink on poop so that you get to make 80 new <laughs> friends instead of stay in your comfort zone and only get right. to be with your click because this is all about busting clicks wide open. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it's not just about, you know, making sure that one person, um, is, is making 80 new friends, but it's about those 80 people that rather than just a few people getting to experience that one person, they all get to like yeah. getting, getting a teenager to understand that by them not approaching people that they otherwise wouldn't have, they're robbing that person of the opportunity of knowing them because they're that valuable. That's powerful. You know, when, when, yeah. when they, when they can look around and say, Oh, I haven't talked to that person yet. I'm going to give them the gift of my company to have a teenager recognize that even if they don't necessarily put it in those words is, is pretty profound. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then they have to, um, obviously abide by the rules. They have to respect other people's opinions. They have to be able to hear other people without judging them. So they have to be open-minded about it. And so we just ask them that like, and make sure that they'll do that. So, so tell us how, well, do you want to t read some of the, um, yeah. expectations or the, what so people said about camp? This is like anonymous. This is what kids say. Um, Way more than met my expectations. I had no idea how much it would change my life. Another one is I thought it would be pretty lame and I wouldn't learn or grow at all. Boy, was I wrong. I've learned so much. Eternally grateful. Another one, I've had four siblings come to this camp and they told me to expect a lot, but it still exceeded my expectation. That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, just on and on, like, it's way more than kids thought it would be. And, and that's cool. And then, um, just, uh, what, what would you tell future? And we call the kids that come to this camp delegates. I'll just read just a few of these. This is what they would say to future delegates more, more worth it than I could ever say with words. Another one is that my whole world and self view has been flipped in the best possible way. I mean, I could go on and on. If you go to our website, I have a lot on there of what parents say and what kids say. Um, we have this awesome, honestly, we've had several families send every single one of their kids, like probably six families. Yeah. And this one woman sent several of her kids and her comment um, on a, it, it was anonymous, but uh, she put that I could contact her. So she, I, I actually did find out who it was, but she said, this to me is like more important than college tuition because of oh, how wow. much they gain of, of their self love of who they are and the rest can take care of itself. Now I'm not saying college isn't important. I don't think she was saying that either, but just that's how important it was to her to send all of her children to the camp. Mm. So. Wow. That's amazing. That, that is awesome. So if you want your kids to go spend a week with Heather and Corey and Nate and Angeline in the summer, if COVID permits. Yes. Uh, and like 20 other amazing staff. In amazing, amazing yeah. humans, yeah. amazing adults that will set good examples for your teenagers. Where do they go to get more information and sign up? So you go to redcross.org slash Utah, and then you click on the volunteer tab and you go down and there's a link to our, our, it says leadership development count. And, we call it LDC for short. We have a video on our website and the, the application is there. And people ask me when the deadline is and it's when the camp is full. So the sooner, the better. And yeah, we, sorry, as fast yeah, we, as we only take yeah, like we take 80, 80 kids, 80 kids up. And that's not very many when you split it, when you try to split the whole state. You know, boys, girls, and, and everything in between. That's, that's not very many. So you don't want to procrastinate this one. This yeah. is so one you procrastinate want to because we already have all the kit, not all of them, but most of them who were signed up to go to camp last year. And so, um, they're coming. Hopefully we're going to be able to have this camp. So, right. Yep. So we're excited. So 
I know that a lot of our listeners are not from Utah, and they're probably thinking, how is this relevant to me? But if you've noticed in this conversation that we've had, I think you can tell just the passion that you guys have for this, Mm -hmm. what what you've been able to see and contribute to these youth has just brought so much joy to your lives. And what I would say to people who are not in Utah and maybe wouldn't have this particular experience is to go out and find an opportunity to do something like this. Get out of your normal comfort zone and find ways to serve. Find a community you can give back to. Right. Even your own community, but also get out of your own community. And there's something amazing about stepping out of your comfort zone and getting to know other people that aren't like you that brings so much joy to your lives and then doing it as a couple brings so much joy to your marriage as well as this is the Mormon marriages podcast. There's something about doing it together that is, is just so great for a relationship. And it, and it does require you to make some sacrifices. (laughs) Like it requires, well, you guys especially, but, but like, that's the whole idea behind sacrifices. You give up something that you want for something that's more important. That's great. And yeah. yeah. The the fact that we get to go experience these miracles together is something that I think we're going to cherish the rest of our lives, maybe even more than a vacation to Europe or something like yeah. that. It will affect for how sure. you parent your children. For you sure. Learn. sure. We're excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Anyway, go ahead, Corey. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what more, what more I could say. It's definitely, you know, I mean, I, I went to that first, that first year and I wasn't on staff until like year seven, I think. Um, so that, that was a lot of years where I was on the periphery of the camp and, and I'd send Heather away for a week and I'd watch the kids and, and we'd come up on the last day and say hi and see Skip and, you know, see all the hubbub. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't on staff yet. And so um, just from that experience, contrasting, like knowing about the camp and kind of understanding it and then actually being on staff and doing it. Like I look back and I think what a waste those seven years uh, were when I could have, I could have been on staff and I could have, I could have been more involved. And so, um, you know, I'd just say if there, if there's an opportunity to get involved in something, just, just get involved yeah. now because you don't want to look back and say, wow, this is really cool. This thing that I just got involved in and I could have been involved in it for the last 10 years, but mm-hmm. you know, especially with your spouse, like what a cool experience. It's like they say the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Yeah. And the second best is today. No. <laughs> so it's not too late. Did you say never? No, she said. Oh, she I, said Nate, I thought Nate said. Never. Did you say never? No, I would never. Yeah. No, Corey, come on. <laughs> Second best is never. never. <laughs> well, anyways, thank you for sharing your story with us, and thank you for being the drivers behind camp that has changed our lives and hundreds and hundreds of other kids, teenagers' lives. And uh, I hope that doing having this conversation will change the life of somebody's kid who's listening um will it will be, it will for sure it will mm-hmm. yes so yep. well all right we're excited and we hope that we hope that it happens this year and we'll, we we can't wait to have angela and the baby up there and and get things you rolling so. and, and meet aurora guys and if you can't remember what what heather said about how to find the details just go to our website and we will link to the application page where you can find out more information. Super easy peasy, rice and cheesy. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. All right. Thanks Thank for being you. on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, guys. If you want to send your kid to camp or you know somebody who might be interested, um, we'll put a link on our website. Just go to mormonmarriages.com and go to the blog and find this episode. And we would love, love, love to have anybody that, any of these young people that you know attend this camp. It's, it's amazing experience. It's really special. And we'd uh, 
know. It'd just be awesome. Right. And just to be clear, we're not financially compensated for any of this. We're just volunteers. We just love it that much that we think everybody should go. Yep. <laughs> so check out the link in um, on the in the show notes and come hang out with us this summer. And one other thing before we go. On Tuesday of this week, Tuesday, December 8th, if you're listening to this when it goes live, um, I'm starting what's called the Are We Roommates Summit. It's a free three-day event that's all about how to get your marriage out and stay out of roommate syndrome. And I've interviewed 30 of the top marriage experts in the world, and they're going to provide you with amazing tips and tools and principles to make sure that you get keep that spark alive in your marriage. So if that sounds interesting to you, the only way to get it for free is to show up live uh, December 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th. And I hope you can make it. Are we He's been working on this for months and it's gonna be fabulous so so good see you there